building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. Hi and welcome. Hi, Patty. Hi, Angela. This is our Building Better Relationships with Patty and Angela at home and at work. And today we're looking at how's your love life with your phone, especially in the month of February, our month of love. And today, Patty, um, we are going to share a few things about our own love life with our phone. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> about our own obstacles with that. So to start with, um, I wanted to also mention that in the Facebook group, if you're a member, there's a poll in the Facebook group and it's actually, are you or do you sleep with your cell phone next to you? So Patty, do you want to share? <laughs> I definitely do. <laughs> I'm one of those people that have my phone on my nightstand and I use it as my alarm. So I do sleep with my phone next to me. So in the poll, I did put yes. Yes. So we're not shaming anyone today, including ourselves. <laughs> right. We're just exploring the topic. <laughs> And I also have been sleeping with my phone as well. And an interesting situation for me recently has been that my partner lives overseas and he's just arrived. So I found that I was, because my partner was not here, my tendency to sleep with my phone is much bigger as well. So if my partner's here, I'm, I'm more distracted by him. <laughs> But the phone is a very, it's a, it's like a teddy bear for me a little bit. And uh, another question I had for you, Patty, when you wake up in the morning, do you look at your phone first thing when you wake up? Sometimes, yes. And I also have a Fitbit. And my Fitbit is, it's connected to my phone. So when a text message goes through, it goes on my Fitbit too. So sometimes that wakes me up or I'm already awake and it's just one more distraction because my Fitbit, <clears throat> I wear my Fitbit to monitor my sleep, but it's also connected to my phone. So <laughs> that's one of the challenges as well. But yes, sometimes I do immediately look at my phone. More so than not. Yeah. For me, yeah. because I've had the phone as my alarm clock. So I've been using the phone as my alarm and I'll go to switch off the alarm and then my phone has notifications. So instantly the notifications are at the top of the phone and they distract me. And if there's an urgent message, email, I'll start to panic. And so that started to really annoy me because my habit is to, once I wake up, to do a meditation. 
But I notice that the first thing I'm doing is if I wake up with the alarm, I don't always, but if I wake up with the alarm and then I see on the phone some notification, it will start to bring anxiety or I've got to do something or, oh my God, what's that about? And it takes you away from prayer or meditation first thing in the morning because you think, oh, I got to answer this. Yeah, I got to answer this text or I got to answer this email because we have email and everything on our phone and you see all of those notifications. Yeah. So, um, Patty, can you also read that quote that you saw about the phone? Sure. Your cell phone has replaced your watch, your camera, your calendar and alarm clock. Please don't let it replace your friends and family. Yeah. And that's a really um, big one with in terms of um, how we're using this device in our own bed to really start to distract us from some of the ways that we might relate more with our body immediately to our environment. And later I'm going to share a bit more about how the phone in your hand actually inter interrupts or yeah, creates a new field with your actual body's field. I've got a few research points for you and some work that I've done with the energy body. So I also have a blog post about that, Patty. It's on Patty's uh, website and blog. And the post is called Turn Off Your Phone and Get Turned On. <laughs> yes. I think you wrote it last year. I think it was last year. You wrote it in February. Oh, that was right. The Valentine's yeah. distraction. So yes. We use the phone as a distraction from our partner or from our intimacy with those around us. I've actually heard also not just with romantic relationships, but also parents and children. A lot of parents have told me that they go to the park with the kids, but they're on the phone while the kids are playing. Playing. And they're aware mm -hmm. that that's happening, but it's mm -hmm. kind of an addiction. And if you want to check out the blog post, it's in the description for the, the podcast below. Um, but some of the basic things is that we, we use these devices like the phone to distract us from intimacy, from what we really want, which is connection. We're all, when we're born, we're connected to our parents. We're really connected to the mother because we're inside of her. We come out and... Eye contact is one of those very important ways for our first development of intimacy, empathy, relationship, and touch and holding. So instead of touching our partners, we're touching that phone instead. And, and now the smartphone is all touch. touch yeah, touch. whereas before you used to have a book that would distract you or television. I mean, those those still distract you, but it was more in the past. It was a book or the television set that was in the bedroom. Yeah, and in some families, they they would never have a television in the bedroom. And I've heard in the past people saying uh, the television in the bedroom destroyed my love life. Really? Yeah. So mm -hmm. that was just even with the television. I've mm -hmm. had someone say to me that I'm never going to have it in my bedroom again because it destroyed my love life. So that was one 
example in the past. So the phone is really sneaky because it's so small. It can just sort of sit next to the bed and you don't really notice it or it's on your side bedside table and you don't notice it. And Patty, um, what else from the past do you notice before we had these small devices? What was different maybe from the way we got distracted with the books or...? Well, we used we could use different things for avoidance. You could um, have a hobby or something like that or going out with friends or um, just anything to avoid being where you needed to be and to talk about things. People can use that a, use that as an avoidance. You can use your cell phone as an avoidance too or you can go into your home office and oh, close man. the door yeah. and, and work. Yeah. yeah. So you can use anything as an avoidance. Right now is the addiction of of the cell phone and the internet and all of those different technologies. Just like we talked last time about Netflix, how you, you know, can be a, addicted to watching a whole series in one night or something like that. That can be an avoidance too. Oh, I'm watching this show. I'm not going to come to bed tonight. You know, we can use anything as an avoidance. Mm. Um, as you were talking, what I saw as a difference from the past to now is that um, you might go out with friends or you might be in different parts of your home environment but now you could be in the same room with someone and actually avoiding them. So you'll be, and it's quite normal now to see different age groups in a family on their phones, not interacting, but in the same room. Mm -hmm. and, and for someone like me growing up in the 70s and 80s and 90s before portable devices were so prevalent, it's really weird to come into a room and see people just in their own little bubble on a device and not connecting. It's kind of a really interesting way. Right. It's kind of like at work. You see people on their phone at work um, answering texts or looking at YouTube or listening to a podcast. They have their phone right next to them. Where's their concentration? Is it on their work task or is it on their phone? Now, not everybody's going to agree with me on that. They listen to their music on there. Maybe they can listen to their music and it doesn't distract them. I've done that myself. I, you know, listen to Pandora while I'm working. But when you're doing those other tasks, are you really focusing on on the job or are you focusing on your phone also being in a work meeting and people on their cell phones texting swiping are you really hearing what you need to hear to get your job done correctly or are you just listening a little bit just to get by that's interesting what you say about listening to music while you work 
because with all of the distractions that are available through the phone, so you can have music, you can have podcasts, emails, messages, a YouTube video, another notification from news because I get notif- news notifications. Oh, yeah. And, and you you have so many distractions on the phone that now people actually have to listen to like Zen meditation music to focus. We're all becoming like a, a, a sort of co-opted ADHD because we don't, we're being bombarded by so many different things. Not that anything's wrong with having an ADHD mind, but if you want to focus, you're almost forced to make some proactive changes to the way you use your phone or the way you focus. So that what you just mentioned there about listening to music brought up one tip, which could be, okay, if you're going to use the phone while you're working, what could be some music that would actually get you focused and allow you to not listen or get distracted by all the notifications yeah you know I would put on some easy listening music or zen music just to kind of calm calm me down and I could stay focused you know because when you're under a lot of stress and you got people coming in and out of your office or you're doing a task that's very stressful having something like that is calming and what about notifications at work, Patty? What would you do with those constant notifications? From the- oh, I, I don't have any notifications. I turned those off because they were very distracting. Uh, you know, because then you would think, oh, I've got, you'd stop and want to answer something or, you know. And two, in meetings, work meetings, I would not take my phone into the work meetings unless there was something going on that was an emergency, you know, um, emergency type situation. I wouldn't take the phone with me. And your supervisors didn't expect you in a meeting to have a phone. They expected you to be present. With my team meeting, um, there, there are some supervisors that require you to have your cell phone on you 24 seven. So if they text you, you need to answer it, but I would try to stay focused and try to do the meeting as quickly as possible. And all of us be engaged. And when you have a cell phone and you're answering texts, you're not really focused and engaged with each other. So we're not saying that that phones are a, a bad thing, but it's about being aware of how they impact your focus, your consciousness, yes. your ability to be present with whoever you're with, whether it's a loved one or at a workplace. And um, some of the tips I did because I noticed my phone was giving me anxiety when I woke up in the morning, <laughs> I just bought a alarm clock and I'm charging my phone outside of the room because it's not the, I'm not used to the alarm clock. I'm actually still, I notice I'm bringing the phone in from such a long time of having the phone as my alarm and I'm weaning myself off having the phone in the room and charging it outside. And the alarm clock is a bit weird with the, the sound of the alarm, so I may need to buy <laughs> a new one that I like. Um, and I also bought a wristwatch, which I haven't had since the 90s. But so I can leave the phone at the house when I do errands. Uh, that's the other thing with 
just going shopping or going for a walk, not having an actual um, phone on the body is really good for me because I actually find that I can focus on my body and not feel so pressured to respond, respond, respond. So, Patty, you also mentioned in one of our podcasts when to say yes and when to say no about about the work environment with some of your um, work supervisors may want you to have the phone on 24-7 or basically keep working after work finishes. <laughs> um, so what did you share about that tip as well where you can set some boundaries around having to respond to the texts? Right. I think you need to be right up front. You know, I go to dinner from such and such time. I'm not going to be answering the phone at that time. I'm going to be spending it with my family. I'm going to be putting my kids to bed from this time to this time. I want to spend that quality time with them. I'll answer, I'll answer my emails and my texts after that time that I put my children to bed. Or I'm going on a date night tonight with, with my spouse or my significant other. From, from this time to this time, I will not be having my phone with me. I'm going to be spending time with them. So if you, you know, tell your manager or CEO, hopefully they're open to that and they understand that family and friends are important and that you do need that connection. Just having dinner or lunch without your cell phone and concentrating on that person that you're with shows that you really value that person. Taking a quick break for our sponsors. If you're on your cell phone and they're talking to you and you're not looking at them, say like my husband's telling me a story. He is one, I'm straight to the point type of person. He loves to tell every single detail. So, <laughs> so if I'm not listening to him, that that's not showing love. Those, those are, are my suggestions. Now you may not have, you may have a job where you have to be 24-7 and you have to have that phone with you. Well, that's the job you chose and your spouse and your children have to understand that. However, you do need time away from work. There are times where you have to say, I am not going to be available. I had to do that when I went on my camping trips, when I went on vacation. There was no, there was no cell phone towers or nothing. I was not going to be, they were not going to be able to get a hold of me. And that was my annual camping trip. And I always told them I would not be available from this date to this date. And I think people need to do that more often. You don't have, if you train your employees, that's the whole thing. You're making leaders. You should be able to trust that they can make a decision if you give them that authority. I really like how you're being proactive by saying, actually, I'm doing this with my family now. I can't respond to you without any guilt or feeling like you have to make the boss happy 
or work up to some expectation. It's actually saying, no, I'm choosing to focus on this. So work, you will wait. And especially for me, I guess because I think it's so awful that they're expecting you to work after hours if you're not getting paid for it. Uh, But I think that's being respectful and also it's just saying I'm actually choosing to focus on this right now. So the communication was really, I think that's really helpful. Yeah, and one of the things that I would tell my younger self is to follow that philosophy, which I did not do. And it did cause harm in my relationships because I was a driven, I still am a driven person. But if I could turn back the clock, I would have changed that. I would have stood up for myself. Interesting. Turning Mm -hmm. back the clock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't do that. Yeah, it's interesting. This new technology of the phone in some ways is giving us, it's forcing us to be better at communicating around intimacy and connection and respect of each other, boundaries, and what we're focusing on because the phone is such a great distraction and it's so small and it sneaks into your bed and your privacy so easily. And I wanted to share on the electromagnetic field of the body level what actually happens because I've worked with the body for about 25-plus years now. And one of the things that we've tried and experienced with the body was when you hold the phone, it actually interferes with the field of your body. There is, I'm going to post a link to some research about the radiation from the phone. But even before that, all the work that I've done, the actual physical body itself has an energy field. And I've referred to a website called heartmath.org. I've referred to that several times before, and I will keep referring to it. They're actually doing research on the heart itself. The heart actually has an electromagnetic field around the body. And some people might say it's the aura. The aura is a little bit different from what heartmath.org are researching. They're actually researching what they can measure electromagnetically around the body. And some of their research with kids has found that when kids are distracted, upset, um, if they're worried about their family, if there's stress in their environment, it really starts to disturb that electromagnetic field and it interferes with the heart's connection to the brain. So that's explaining why we get a lot of kids these days, more children um, experiencing conditions of stress. Uh, there's a, I know in Australia there's at least one in, I believe it's one in 10 uh, children experience anxiety. It could be higher than that. That was some statistics from about five years ago. And a lot of teenagers are also having problems with depression and and suicide and other conditions. But that all builds from when they're young because they're picking up a lot of the stress in our culture. And the phone itself creates and interrupts with your body, your heart and brain connection, that field. So it it literally just um, disturbs the connection between the heart and the brain. And what they're showing from the researcher, from a professor that's worked with Monash, is working with Monash University in in Melbourne. It's an American researcher. The radiation from the phone, we, at this point, we don't have enough research 
to understand the impact on how it can cause problems, problems in the brain and places where the phone is kept. So if you keep your phone on your hip pocket or some women keep it in their, their private breast compartment, um, <laughs> which is really convenient. However, we've, they've got actual cases where they're pretty sure, they're, they're 100% convinced that it, or they know that it, the radiation from the phone actually created those tumours. But that's just the beginning of what we're learning now. Because remember, phones on the personal body, the physical body, really it's only been the last 20 years. So we, at this stage, don't know the full long-term impacts. From the research, uh, that professor who's working with Monash, um, there is actually evidence that babies, if they have the phone by the head, that radiation is too much for a small child's brain. So before seven years of age, children should not have that phone close to them at all. And, and that's very disturbing, knowing that there's a lot of kids out there who have parents who allow them to have that phone. It's, it's literally the, the field of, of radiation from the phone is so big that it permeates the whole brain of the child. So it's another reason not to have it on your physical body. Of course, if, you, if you're a woman, you've got a bag. Um, for men, it's very close to, it, to your hip area, not a good thing, especially if you're thinking about um, fertility as well. So that research is still growing. There's not enough money going towards it for, for reasons I think you might be able to um, extrapolate why, because obviously the phone companies aren't really interested in getting people too worried about that piece. But if you'll notice, with your phone will always come a, a headset. And that's because by law, they have to provide the headset so you don't have to hold the phone close to the head because they are measuring the levels of radiation from phones. And it is quite high and, and quite likely that there is some risk effects. So that's some practical stuff. For the energy body as well, if you're interested, I can share a lot more on that in future podcasts. But basically when you, I've got my phone here, bye. but when you're holding a device, it acts because it's got its own circle of energy around it. That circle of radiation creates a bubble of energy that actually interrupts your own energy. And in terms of your own intimacy with with others on a very practical level it's literally drawing your focus and attention but from the circulation of your your blood your other organs and the communication of the organs of the body it can actually interrupt the magnetic flow the electromagnetic flow of your body's system so it's a really important thing to be aware of that we're so unconscious with the way we use the phones but there are things to start bringing our awareness to and not to go into um, judgment or shaming <laughs> around it because I'm I'm using my phone as much as anybody else but to start really looking at what will be some alternatives and uh, yeah perhaps looking at a, an alarm clock is a simple one to start with and to think about if you're in a room with your partner and you're on the phone or they're on the phone, 
what could be something to maybe change that go-to habit? It could be that you're on the phone for a little bit and you may want to connect to your partner, but they're on the phone as well. And just say something that could tell your partner, hey, are you going to be on your phone for very long? And they may say, why? And you can tell them, because I would like to uh, talk to you. So actually start to to ask your partner to how long they're going to be on the phone and see if you can change that dynamic. So, Patty, you had another strategy for uh, using phones in the workplace. And I'm, I'm wondering, can you share, how do you see... Um, How do you notice that the introduction of the mobile phone has changed the work environment? It's changed it a lot because before, you know, we didn't have the cell phone on our desk where there was that immediate answering it. If we were in a meeting, we didn't have the cell phone. We were in a meeting and people wouldn't expect you to answer it, answer, or they wouldn't interrupt you. But now with technology, you're 24-7 and, and people are expecting an answer right away instead of before, you know, people would know, oh, They'll answer me whenever they get back from a meeting or they'll answer me uh, towards the end of the day. It wasn't like an immediate, I expect you to answer me right now. So that has changed the way things were. You know, um, when the computer came out, there was email and email was the distraction on the computer. So as as technology has advanced, we're, we're connected 24-7, but we're not connected face-to-face. -face. I would still pick up the phone and call people and talk to them. And people, some people don't like that. But I felt if I pick up the phone and, and talk to somebody, I'm able to get, make sure that my communication with them is actually being heard and I can ask questions to make sure that it's heard right. Whereas when you send an email or a text, it can be misinterpreted. Whereas when you're talking to each other face-to-face -face, or you call somebody, you can ask questions to make sure that you're communicating right. Right. And and hopefully you'll still have maybe a miscommunication, but not if 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 you're asking the right questions, you will not. So if you're giving somebody directions and you're talking to them and then they repeat back what you said and then you ask some more questions, you know that the task is going to be pretty close to what you explained. With a text and, a, and an email, that may not be the case. Mm. Okay. And Patty, you had another strategy because um, you mentioned that sometimes with the introduction of texts, 
or and email uh, that some people don't respond because we've, we've probably been overwhelmed. Yes. But you have yes. A strategy if you are not getting an answer to something that's important. Very good. So say that um, you need to schedule a meeting and you really need this one person to come, but they're not responding to you. I recommend that you send them an invite and put a deadline on it and give them choices of dates and times and that they have to respond by a certain certain time and then put high priority on it so that they know that it's important and that they need to respond. Because you're right, we're getting hit with email, texts, phone calls, you know, you're overwhelmed and you might miss something but if you put it high prior if, if if they if you put it high priority hopefully they'll notice that and they'll answer you mm. if they don't follow up pick up the phone call them sometimes you have to get a little aggressive okay <laughs> she says with a smile <laughs> like you're aggressive <laughs> And, and Patty, you have a work-life balance program, but this um, this is a new, sorry, the work-life balance hacks course. So can you share with people how you've got this new course and that might be something that could help them? Yes. So I made this new course and it's for um, the busy leader and there's seven hacks that you can quickly start using and incorporating them in your life and work, make a work-life balance plan for you. And it's for a busy leader that's 24-7. And a couple of, the exam, couple of the hacks are how to say no and personal boundaries and work boundaries. And um, we'll have it in the, in the show notes for you on how to uh, uh, enroll into the program. But it's quick and it's easy and it's, it's quick because I know that leaders don't have a lot of time. And it gets straight to the point and it's, it's a good program. Sounds great. Awesome. I like that quick and easy. <laughs> yeah. That's excellent. And for those of you who are interested in the Energy Body program, I've got the Energy Body of Self-Acceptance program, and that's also going to be in the show notes. That one takes a little bit more time. It's a 10-week at-home program, and it's really about connecting to self. So it's removing all those other distractions in your life and getting into the deeper layers of your Energy Body start feeling more and more and listening, learning how to listen to your body, your emotions. And especially it's wonderful for people if you, like myself, struggled with uh, your self-love and accepting yourself. So there's uh, 10 steps for the program and we look at which each, with each step how to get a better acceptance of those pieces of yourself that you might have trouble with. So check that out. And uh, we can also keep you informed in the Facebook group about our upcoming podcast. So if you haven't joined, check out the Facebook group, join that, and we'll keep you notified about our upcoming 
Facebook Lives and our podcasts. So thank you, everyone, and thank you, Patty. Thank you, Angela. It was fun talking to you. Yeah, love this topic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message and please like or share the podcast or donate with the anchor donate button. We really value your feedback. Oh, 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 oh,